0: Hey, friend, if you're joining us for the first time, we're in the middle of a series we're calling We Believe. It's a series based on the Apostles' Creed, a collection of commonly agreed-upon faith statements that were compiled together to help Christians wrestle with and center their faith before the library of books that we call the Bible was ever formed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to worship together, each in our own way today. Lord, I pray that as we um, explore the truth of Good Friday, um, as we explore the story of Jesus, that he was crucified, died, and was buried, that your words would ring true, that your Holy Spirit would speak, that whatever you want to say, and whatever you want to say to each person would gravitate towards them, and whatever you don't would sink. Lord, bless this, bless us, In Jesus' name, amen. When I was first asked to preach on the words, Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried, I scratched my head. If you think about it for just a moment, out of all the words we cite in the Apostles' Creed, those words are the easiest to say. Those words require the least amount of faith because anyone with any background and a small amount of Googling would believe those words were true. And usually, when we read those words, they tend to be built up toward one fact that comes later. Flavius Josephus was a first century Jewish historian who's been noted to say some things about Jesus. Here's one of the more preserved manuscripts say. At this time, there was a man who was called Jesus. His contact Conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous, and many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and died, and those who became his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion, and that he was alive. Note on they. Accordingly, He was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets had recounted wonders. Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. Josephus, a Jewish historian that to our knowledge never became a follower of Jesus, could say those words. And these facts seem rather simple and straightforward when you know what comes next in the story. All of these facts seem rather simple and straightforward except when you're in the middle of them. Jesus' crucifixion was a struggling point for him and everyone around him, each in their own way, because they were in the middle of it. Jesus experienced loneliness during his prayer at Gethsemane and cried out in his pain at the Father while he was on the cross. Peter experienced denial, perhaps at the shock of losing his own preconceived ideas of what the Messiah was and who Jesus was. Mary, Jesus' mother, grieved as they lowered her son down, experiencing for herself the painful truth that no parent should ever have. And that's to live, outlive their own kid. Most of the rest of Jesus' followers were so shook that they took off and left him. Sometimes we don't know what's coming next for each of us. And in the unknown, we find ourselves in the middle of doubt, in the middle of loneliness, in the middle of addiction, in the middle of trauma, in the middle of sin, and of, all, of these varying degrees at different times and in our own way. When we're caught in the middle of something, ideas are challenged. Friendships and relationship patterns often shift. We sleep a whole lot more or we sleep a whole lot less. All of these things ebb and flow as we find ourselves in the middle of whatever is going on in our lives. And when we're, in the, when we're caught in the middle of something, it's hard to see the light at the end. When we're in the middle of something, it's hard to see the promise and potential of the empty tomb behind the burden before us. That's why I'm calling today's message In the Middle of It. So what do we do? We're in the middle of it. Here are some things. The first thing is this. We need to be honest. Our first example in this is always Jesus. We don't see a stoic Jesus throughout most of the events that lead up to and surround the cross. It is far too easy in our little Christian subculture to play up to the part we think we should be playing than to be our authentic selves. Before COVID, it was simple to walk up the steps to any church with a smile painted on our faces and to shake a hand and move on. And I get it. I miss a lot of that. I value having something upbeat to come to. But I think it's too easy to put a mask on that others can't see because we don't want to spoil the moment. We don't see Jesus faking it until he makes it. We see a person pleading with his closest friends just to stay awake with him in Gethsemane. We see a person crying out to God in his frustration and in his loneliness when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So when we're in the middle of it, we're invited to be honest. And secondly, we're invited to receive help. I'm preaching it myself here. Some of us are vastly better at being givers than receivers. And that's not a badge of honor. Holy Spirit doesn't invite us to be defined and controlled by the demands of individual perfection and prosperity by a society that has made it nearly impossible to achieve. It's all right to be someone else's provider, someone else's brother, sister, friend, spouse, parent, or child, or any of those things that those roles mean to you. But Holy Spirit does not invite us to be our own Savior or anyone else's. In his humanity, Jesus asked for help from his disciples in his prayers. Now, they weren't there for him in his darkest hour. And sometimes you'll find the help you need, and sometimes you'll need to try again. Sometimes there will be moments when it feels like God is the only one that's there. Sometimes you can be there for someone else, even if you don't know what to do. Sometimes it's best to be silent but present. The disciples didn't realize that. They didn't know what to do, so they stopped. But we don't have to be that way. We can be present with each other. We can be present with ourselves, and we can welcome Holy Spirit to do the same. So if you're in the middle of things like this, if you're in the middle of doubt even, you can do research online, and you can find some books and And you don't have to do this alone. We've all had our doubts. And Holy Spirit invites us to be a community that shares those together, to worship in spirit and truth. And sometimes doubt is a part of the truth that we're experiencing. It's important to know that Holy Spirit invites us to be honest, to receive help, and thirdly, to take our time. There were people in front of Jesus that demanded things of him that weren't his to carry out. Sometimes we do that to each other. Sometimes we do it to others. Sometimes we do it to God. Sometimes we expect too much of ourselves. While there are plenty of common things in the human experience, everything runs its own time and in its own way. And that's true for each of us. There have been times in my past that I demanded things from me that weren't realistic for me. Sometimes they've been right, but there have been other times when i found that if I didn't check myself with my own experiences and I wasn't thoughtful and I didn't check with Holy Spirit, I found myself hurt by people or hurting people because I moved too quickly. We live in a culture that wants everything on demand but we don't need to let that control us. Human health and holiness don't work like that. We can binge Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney+, Plus, but we can't binge wholeness. Sometimes we do it to each other by trying to fix people who need time to heal. Sometimes simply quoting a verse won't help us or anyone else. Sometimes we use good tools in the wrong places, Here's what I mean by that. Think about it like this. An adjustable wrench is more versatile than most other wrenches. If you're looking to deal with a situation quickly and easily, it's often not a bad bet. But there are some things a wrench of any sort won't serve anyone with. Have you ever seen someone try to stir a pot of chili with a wrench? I haven't, you haven't. But sometimes we take things that help fix things and we bring them into situations that they can't fix. Sometimes both, both religious and not, will try to bring a conventional wrench to fix something that needs time to stir and to stew, like chili. May we not be people like that. May we be continually transformed by Holy Spirit who invites us to receive help and to be present for others when they need it. Holy Spirit is the best comforter and has the best sense of timing. Some things can be dealt with quickly and some things take time to learn how to handle and that's okay. We often make things complicated and God can be so much simpler than that. He is easy to come to. So when we're in the middle of something, we can be honest. We can receive help. We can take our time. And fourthly, we can move onward. After we've been honest, received help, and taken the time we need, we hit a point when the word we use to describe our situation cannot be used to define our identity. Think about that for a second. I've learned a lot from listening to people over the years. You can learn a lot about whether, what someone is going through by listening to how they refer to themselves in their situation. Some people sound like the hero of every story they ever told. Some people talk about how they tired they are. Some people talk like they believe they've never been in a situation where they weren't the victim. Some people sound like they're bitter at the world. Some people talk like they have everything figured out. Some people struggle to ever let themselves go of the word and the title of sinner. There's often a great explanation for any of these things. Sometimes it's easier to move on from some things, and sometimes it's hard and requires repetition and focus in prayer and trusting and leaning on God. This part is going to be hard to say, and it can be harder to hear, so please hear it. Well, I've met plenty of people who seem to get caught up in the middle of any of these descriptions that they use to define themselves in the midst of their situation. I've never met a person who wanted to have those words on their gravestone. The good news is that we don't have to, as long as we understand that we can be honest, we can receive help, we can take the time we need as we move forward. Now, how do we move forward? I chose the word onward, was what I meant to say, (laughs) for a reason. It's more about the process we're on than the point we're at. Luckily for us, Jesus uses his very crucifixion, death, and burial to pave a way for us. He invites us to put to death the descriptions and titles we give ourselves, the bitterness we've held on to, the pattern and habits we hold on to, the unforgiveness that we have in our hearts, that anger that lingers still. We took a look into Jesus' final moments from Luke's perspective. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself. And to us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. By the time it was noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed. His last. He chose it. He surrendered. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends including the woman who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching. The power and importance of that moment stretches out from across time and space in ways that, that I can hardly imagine. Jesus turned a situation of isolation, pain, and suffering into an opportunity for community, joy, and growth. Sometimes it feels like we're watching something, like they were watching him at the end. Something happened to us. And life isn't always fair. We didn't all have the same things growing up. And even between generations, we see different struggles clash against each other. Despite that, Jesus invites us to know that whatever we're in the middle of, whatever we're going through, that He sees it all across time and that He cares for you and for me anyway. He invites us to recite and receive good news. For ourselves, we're in, the, we're, in, we're in the middle of facing whatever it is that we're facing at that time. Knowing that if we're honest, if we're looking to receive help, if we take whatever time we need, the Holy Spirit is there to help us move onward. So whenever you're in the middle of it, be honest, receive help, take your time, and move onward.